is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Thanks for making us part of your day. Uh, real quick here, Gordon, because we're going to get to Frank Dolce coming up momentarily, but we got a, uh, a press release from BYU uh, talking about restructuring their athletic communications department, and uh, they're, they're kind of going in a different direction. Um, we don't, I don't want to throw out names because we don't know, but it looks like there's also been quite a few layoffs in their communications department, uh, and Gordon... You know, a lot of fans out there don't know these names, but we certainly do. Working close, closely with that department as part of the media, a lot of good people down there at BYU. Uh, for the names that I've I've seen thus far, again, I don't want to be reckless and, and throw names out there, but man, sorry to hear it, and, and best of luck to those those folks in the future. And thanks for their good work helping uh, organizations like us cover BYU. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And for people to lose their jobs is always difficult. And, uh, you know, talented people who probably find something, but still, I mean, they're doing what they wanted to do. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it, right? Yeah. So BYU streamlining some things in communications, unfortunately, meaning some some layoffs. And there's no doubt that uh, this whole thing has been tough on athletic departments around the country. And uh, BYU, no no exemptions. So um, best of luck to those those folks who are affected by it, no doubt about it. All right, mm-hmm. let's jump out of the zone phone. Joining us now, former Ute quarterback, longtime Ute analyst, and our good friend, or at least Gordon's, Frank Dolce here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hello, Frank. Hello, guys. Yes, Jake, I don't want you to feel like I'm not your friend. <laughs> it's just that You like Gordon more? It's have... okay. <laughs> We just have a connection. I mean, maybe it's based on our similarity in age and experience, um, or or maybe it's based on you know our mutual love and respect for human beings. But uh, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll yeah. have accuracy on my side. You can have Gordon's on yours. It's fine. So accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding frank you're the man thanks for jumping on with us what a what a wild time to be talking utah football we heard from kyle whittingham earlier today on the severity of the of the outbreak within the team of course uh we know that uh the arizona game was canceled and now they're trying to tape it together for ucla give us your kind of take on the broad view of what's going on with the utes well i i in, in lots of ways i I feel like, um, uh, you know, this is something that all the teams are going to have to manage and deal with. And, and he, he, you know, I, I still think there's some positive things that are newsworthy that are out there, especially related to kind of mortality rates. And even though we've, we've seen an increase in cases and positives and all of that, I'm not discounting that at all. But, but I think there, that, that we've, as a group, as a society, have managed the the pandemic a little bit better, and and especially this age group. It sounds like Coach Whittingham's team was hit pretty hard, and uh, even one kid going to the hospital, and that's not good. But it sounds like everybody now is recovering, and and they've had a couple a couple positive signs 
And even with all of that, I still say that this has been mismanaged by the Pac-12. Like, uh, the Pac-12, had the Pac-12 jumped on earlier when lots of other football programs jumped on earlier, then, then we wouldn't have – I don't think we would have compounding problems. Like, um, I just feel like now this, this schedule is going to be a disaster. And with the increase in cases – we're going to see several more cancellations of games and, um, and, and there's no recourse. You, you know, you're just going to lose games. I, I would imagine that we're going to see teams with like a three or four game schedule um, because the, the first, the restrictions are very tight and there's no, there's, there's no time to, to edit any of the games after you make a cancellation. So um, as, as tough as it, as it is for these teams who are trying to their best to manage everything, um, I still put it back on, I would say that the Pac-12 has mismanaged it from the beginning. Frank, how would you handle this? Would you go about it? Let's say the Utes, okay, the Utes can't play their first game. There's a chance they could lose the UCLA game. I don't know. They're planning on playing, but who knows what's going to happen. But if mm-hmm. they did, if they did lose a couple games, by lose, I don't mean lose them on the field. I mean not be able to play them. What right. from a from a coaching standpoint, do you go about your business the same way, or is this a total throwaway? Well, I'll I'll tell you how. I mean, Coach, Coach Whittingham will manage it the same way because that's just that's just how he is. I think the most difficult thing for for Coach Whittingham in this in this whole pandemic is the the lack of structure that he's been able to enact on his in his program and with his team and he's a guy that thrives in, in structure so you know it's to the point where on a daily basis there's a question about what his roster looks like so th- those are things those are the things that i think will be difficult on a guy like coach whittingham but but for him he'll just approach it every day the way that he always approaches it you know, on that uh, kind of a similar note, Frank, listening to his press conference today, his voice sounded a little different to me. Like, hey, this is not that he was rattled or anything, but kind of like, hey, man, this is this has been hard. And he was quite transparent talking about it. But it, it made it it made me come away thinking that Utah is is going to benefit from having that stability that you talk about in that structure, even though it's <laughs> being put to the test here. I think that that Utah will benefit from Coach Witt's leadership and get the best you know, get as many games in and get the best outcome they possibly can get. No, no question about that. I think his style, um, you know, there's, there's a lack of stability (laughs) right now in, in society uh, for lots of reasons. And, and so especially, you know, these younger guys who are still trying, they're still kind of trying to figure out how everything works and, and even us older guys, I mean, we don't know how everything works. But, but in times like this, you really look for kind of foundational people, uh, people who seem to have their feet well planted on the ground, um, who are steadfast, who are steady, who uh, give the, at least the appearance of having a plan and some optimism and a path to move forward. And I think that's probably how you could describe coach Whittingham and the way that he's always managed his team. And so, you know, never too high, never too low, pack your lunch pail. Let's get to work. I think that's his, 
that's his attitude. That's how he's lived his life. And I think for lots of us, and most importantly, maybe his team can follow that example. Kyle said during the press conference that a couple of position groups were decimated by this. Uh, do you have any idea which what those are? And uh, I guess the bigger question is, I wrote a column over the weekend that Utah should show a little more transparency in what's going on with their program. I'm not talking about naming names. I get the HIPAA thing and all that. But but do you think it would be it would help them to be a little more forthcoming in in, in what's going on? Well, I don't I don't know if it would help them or hurt them about being more forthcoming. I I know what the I mean I think I know what the issue is regarding talking about who who does who doesn't position groups that have been hit hard and and. Uh, you know, there's probably some of it that's related to um, co- confidentiality and protecting kids and his team. And, and there's probably some of it, to be quite honest, that has to do with not giving an opponent an advantage. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's probably a few reasons why Coach Whittingham is not being um, perceived as being forthcoming about about the what's happening within the within the walls of this team. All right, Frank. I want to I want to ask you about Chip Kelly, and I, I apologize if this gets long winded. But Gordon and I had a conversation last week about you know right coach, right time, right place, and and how much all three of those factors can really matter. Chip Kelly at Oregon, innovative coach, right place, right time, had a ton of success. Not as innovative as he used to be, right? I mean, his, his system, you know, football's caught up with his system a little bit. He goes to the NFL, uh, doesn't have a ton of uh, success there at a couple of different jobs, comes back to college, goes to UCLA, and so far cannot get that program off the ground. And I don't know if it's going to be any different this year. Uh, but your your thoughts on the evolution of Chip Kelly and whether or not uh, you think he's going to be successful at UCLA? I, I'm off the Chip Kelly bandwagon, um, in, and I think he, he, he just had kind of a magical thing happen at Oregon where all the stars aligned, and he was doing something just a little different and playing the game at a different pace. People weren't used to that. Um, and, and then when you get to the NFL and everybody plays at a different pace, and that, that thing didn't work. Uh, and then, and then, you know, it's, it, I can't remember what was the last time he, when was the last time he coached at Oregon versus when he started coaching at UCLA, what time period expired? And then, and then everyone else kind of caught up. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think it makes it when, when you look at Chip Kelly and all the success that he had at Oregon, uh, for that short period of time and where he's gone now, it makes it even more amazing to look at a guy like Coach Whittingham to do what he's done over the, you know, the number of years that he's done it. And now he's just signed a new contract to do it for a bunch of more years at the University of Utah. And his ability, I mean, we talk about him being rigid and st- structured and strict and all of those things, but um, he certainly has been able to, kind of roll with the times um, and, and keep his program relevant over a, an extremely long period of time. And, and so, and, you know, long answer to your question, I don't think 
Chip Kelly is going to is the right guy at UCLA, and I don't think he's going to unless something changes drastic. I usually think that a you know a small tweak here and there can improve things dramatically, but I think there needs to be drastic changes at UCLA for him to be to become really successful, like he did at Oregon anyway. Frank, a couple of uh, Utah rivals in the South uh, going up against each other on Saturday, Arizona State and USC. Speaking of coaches in the right or wrong place, Clay Helton has been under a lot of pressure or feeling some heat to get things right. And for the first, what, three and a half quarters of that game, Uh I thought Clay Helton's in big trouble. And then if you watch the final couple of minutes of that game, unbelievable how how good fortune can rear its uh, head at the right time. USC had no business winning that game, but then there was a long pass that was tipped in the end zone to a teammate from one teammate to another for a touchdown. Then the recovered onside kick, and then USC scores again and wins in, in, a, in a crazy fashion. Uh, did you see any of that game? And if you did, uh, do you? Has your mind changed about what the Utes are facing in the South? Yeah. Well, uh, I did see that, and I, I, my thought was, you know, if Pat Hayden were still around, that he might just walk in at halftime and, and give Clay Helton his walking papers <laughs> in, in that one. Uh, I, I like Clay Helton. Like, th- there's not, you know, if you're talking about human beings, like, that's a – that's kind of a that's a guy you would put on a pedestal is Clay Helton. And I think that's that, that people commonly say that about him. Uh, I as a football coach, I, I don't think he's ever gotten the most out of the talent that he has available. And he has a lot of talent available at USC. That should be a program. Um, under different direction, I think that talent and that program would be contending on a national level every year. No, no question about it. So, for, I, I don't know that Clay Hel- I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever felt like Clay Helton is the right guy at, at USC. Uh, I still think that USC made an enormous mistake, and maybe they're just putting it off for another year in not doing everything they could to go out and get Urban Meyer if they wanted to be a nationally ranked and and in the national conversation type of program. Um, so, yeah, I, I, like, I like Clay Helton as an individual. I mean, I think he's a fantastic person. And, and as a coordinator, is, uh, I think he's probably very good. But, but I don't think he's ever gotten the most out of the talent he's had available. You know, guys, maybe we can work together to come up with an answer uh, on this one. But who is the best quarterback in the Pac-12 right now? Is it hands down Slovis? Is there? I mean, Jaden Daniels is pretty good, but who right now is the best quarterback? Do you think? Oh, I, 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 I mean, I yeah, I think you could make the argument for Slovis. Uh, uh, I like Jaden Daniels. Uh, I think he still. There's some progression there for him, um, but super, super talented. I, you know, guys like that um, who who have relied on natural ability for for a long time, um, the game at some point tends to catch up with those guys a little bit, and if they don't evolve with it, so I, I don't know. I'm still I, I like him. I I think that he's probably there's some evolution there that needs to take place. 
Um, I still put him in put him in the top one of you know top quarterbacks in the in the Pac-12. Um, but that's what I'm. That's what I mean about about what Clay Helton has available. I mean, Slovis is. He seems like super talented. That um, touchdown, right, Frank? That touchdown pass he threw to win that game. That was a thing of beauty. Yeah, I mean, he does. He, those are the things that he does. Where, I mean, I'm, I'm. There's not. There's not necessarily a lot of guys. I think we saw. You know, like Justin Herbert made those kinds of throws at at Oregon. Not always, but there were throws that plays that he made that you just thought, "Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable!" And I think Slovis falls into that into that category. I think Daniels falls into that category too. The the stuff that he does um, as well. So I I would say that that Slovis is probably the guy at the top. And we'll, we'll probably have to see some more tape on some other guys to get a real sense of what's going on in the Pac-12. And hopefully we get a chance to, to do that. But, yeah, super talented in, in Southern California. You know, just thinking about it real quick, because the, the, the depth of quarterbacking isn't terrific in the Pac-12 this year, because the only mm-hmm. other nope. couple of quarterbacks I put on there, would you put Chase Garbers from Cal, who's been oft injured, but I guess he's been, uh, he's been okay? I mean, I don't know if there's really a Dorian Thompson Robinson from from UCLA. I mean, we're seeing a lot of new quarterbacks this I, year. It's not a not a great quarterback year. Yeah, I've never been. I, I've not been a fan of Thompson Robinson at UCLA. Um, and I, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's because his his dad has been so uh, vocal about it. I don't know, but that one's difficult. I, the kid at Cal. Uh, doesn't like he's I think he's going to be he's at the end of his career we're going to say he was you know he's good quarterback and um nothing wrong with that but he's you know he's a kind of a good quarterback um in the Pac-12 but but there's I I just there's just not really that that much else uh what uh what is the kid who is the kid at uh Arizona I'm forgetting his name now uh Utah was going to face him last week but i think that's a that that guy is super talented and he's you know he's big like six five kind of big 235 240 pounds i think he's a talented kid but uh coming into a sophomore year so but there's not a lot across the pac-12 of of you know super high talent the quarterback position right now grant gunnell is that who you're thinking of sorry gunnell, gordon, yeah. yeah gunnell yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i didn't mean gunnell, to step on yeah. you there gordon are you uh, are you suggesting that maybe Cam Rising will be the best quarterback in the Pac-12? Uh, I'm not necessarily suggesting. <laughs> Wait, do you have some do you have some in, inside information, Gordon? No, no, I don't. I thought I thought isn't that who you picked as the starter last he, last time it, we had him? He he is he is the guy I picked, and I kind of go I kind of go back and forth, but I. I got a chance to watch those guys a little bit in the spring. I like both of you know both of the guys. Bentley and Rising. It just seemed to me at that time that that um, Rising was like felt like a guy you'd, you'd want to take into take into battle. So um, that's why I kind of that's why I kind of lean that way. And it's really hard to glean any information out of what Coach Whittingham is saying and and everybody else around the program. But but I think just based on what what Utah has available, talent they have available, offensive line. Um, I, I think Rising's a good fit. I think both, you know, 
both of those guys would work and be successful, and I would put a very close one and two rising Bentley. Frank, thank you very much for coming on with us, buddy. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, I'm glad that you guys are staying staying safe and staying healthy, and hopefully um, this week we'll get to see our first uh, Utah Pac-12 football game of the year. It was a little disappointing not to get that one last week, but we'll keep we'll keep our fingers crossed and we'll keep hoping. Back you at know. you, Frank. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Here, here. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. See you, buddy. It's our friend Frank Dolce. Wow, I'm surprised that there are. Uh, this is not a good quarterback year for the Pac-12. I remember those years, Gordon, we'd go down to Pac-12 Media Day, and it's just, you know, superstar quarterback after superstar quarterback. You know, there was that one year where there was Nick Foles and Brock Osweiler and Andrew Luck, and I can't remember, was it Matt Barkley for USC that year? I mean, there was just these, these just studs. And this year, it's like, well, you know, Keaton Slovis. I, I know a guy that thinks he's awesome, but uh, there's. You know, Jaden Daniels is pretty good, and then it's like, wow, that's pretty much it. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it would be helpful if they could actually play games. You know, it would be. I mean, I don't remember Zach Wilson's name being, you know, really uh, touted for any kind of Heisman consideration this year until he actually got out on the field and started showing people what he could do. Maybe some of these quarterbacks. If they had an opportunity to play the way they normally do, then they would. They would. You. You. By this time, uh, first week, second week of November. Are you kidding me? You'd probably know who the good quarterbacks were, and they would have proved it on the field. But we just don't know at this point. All right, we'll have uh, more coming up next. Stay tuned. Uh, top of the five o'clock hour, Tanner Mingum will join the show at four fifty. We have the not sports report. Lots coming up. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Seriously, Lloyd, would you change it up? I'm playing the same song over and over again. Oh, Jake, come on. I don't know. I still find that joke funny. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Hey, Gordon, uh, we've got the Not Sports Report coming up at 450. Tanner Mangum at 5. Do you mind if I uh, slip a little NBA uh, nugget past you real quick? Not at all. Uh, this is coming out of uh, Brian Windhorst, who covers the NBA for ESPN. Uh, he's talking about Paul George, Gordon, um, and talked about his uh, re-signing with the Thunder um, a couple of years ago. He said, uh, this is what Windhorst said, quote, basically the Thunder told him, Paul, re-sign with us. And if you feel like you want to move on, come to us and we will work together with you to accommodate you. And what I think is, what I like about this story is Paul George has kind of gotten a bad rap. Like Damian Lillard's gone after him a couple of times for chasing a title and bouncing around a couple of teams. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. He left Indiana. If he was going to leave Indiana, he did it in the best way possible. With a year left on his deal, he said, listen, I'm not going to stay here. So if, uh, But I, I don't hate you. 
and I, I don't want to, to see you, you know, bad things happen to you in the future. So, you know, hey, get what you can for me. Go ahead. And everybody got all bent out of shape, but actually kind of did the, the admirable thing, in my opinion. And then he did the same thing for Oklahoma City. Or he, he, he re-signed with them, and he said, okay, uh, I'll take you at your word. I'll re-sign with you. And, you know, if I decide that I want to move on, then I'm, I'm going to trust you to live up to your end of the bargain. And as a result, Indiana was able to enter a rebuild faster and, and save some assets, although it looks like now they're going to lose Oladipo. And Oklahoma City, holy cow, Gordon, they got a king's ransom for Paul George. They they very much hastened their rebuild rebuild with that kind of deal. So, uh, yeah. you know, Paul George actually, for, for moving around to three different teams, this is kind of the way you should or you could do it if you cared about the franchises you were leaving. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Jake. I thought that was uh, really interesting that uh, Sam Presti uh, put together that deal the way he did and uh, did re-sign him and then uh, was able to utilize that as an asset. So, uh, yeah, and I thought that was uh, – I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, that that caught my eye, too. I thought, I, I wonder how many – how many uh, you know GMs would be willing to do that? Well, I I'm more. I wonder how many players would be yes, willing to do that. Yes, yeah, indeed, both ways. To yeah. trust that general manager because because really, Presty, you know, Paul George could have come to him and said, "Hey, you know, I, uh, get me out of here. I want to go team up with Kawhi in L.A. with the Clippers." Presty could have said, "Oh, well, that's too bad for you mm-hmm. because you're under contract with us." I mean, right. he could have he could have done that. But here he, he lives up to his end of the bargain. And, I mean, you know, trading a, a star like Paul George is probably not the easiest thing to stomach. But when you bring back, you know, picks and a player in Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who has the potential yes. to be really, really good, yeah. um, you know, Paul kind of pulled the anti-Gordon Hayward move there where he went yes, to the indeed. franchise and he said, hey, listen, mm-hmm. I'm not going to stay. I don't want to be here. I want I want other things to be a priority in my career. And – well, I mean, good for Oklahoma City for living up to their end of the bargain, but they really benefited. As opposed to losing Paul for nothing, they were able to to do what's best for their franchise. And then they swindled Houston to take Russell Westbrook. Yes. So. <laughs> well, I yeah, I thought it was, uh, it was good all the way around. And uh, <laughs> it seems like I love that whole idea. Hey, re-sign here, and if you don't like it after a while, we'll trade you. Well, yeah, exactly what you described. It's, it, that seems like a pretty cool way of doing it. See, I don't think somebody like Danny Ainge would have had the clout to do that. Uh, the clout or the willingness? No, 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 like uh, the reputation. Oh. Because okay. he's such a snake in the grass, you know? I mean, would you really <laughs> trust Danny Ainge to do something like that? Like, never. But Sam Presti has built up uh, some some clout with players. He, uh, if I'm, you know, Justin Zanuck and and Dennis Lindsay, certainly, I'm, I'm, and they know uh, Sam. Where does he come from? Does he come from? He came from San Antonio, right? Did he? I, I, I don't recall. think so. I I mm. think he and Dennis go back a little bit. But anyway, if I'm a, a GM in the league, I'm taking notes on that and saying, hey, if I have a good reputation amongst the players, mm-hmm. you know, I I can uh, maybe earn some of this trust and and be able to do some things like that because, I mean that that's a huge deal for Oklahoma City and and we saw some of those young pieces in the playoffs and they look really good. You know that that yeah. that has the potential to be a really good team in the future. And um, interesting that Paul George has that role. And 
I don't know, Gordon. I, you can't put the genie back in the bottle in the NBA, right? I mean, player empowerment is a very real thing. And the, the lasting impact that LeBron James honestly is going to have on this league is that he, he has really shifted the balance of power to the players where no longer is it just a given that the stars are going to re-sign in the, in the franchises you know, that, that draft them. And so it's given them an increasing amount of power. And in this case, Paul George still exercised his player power, right? He's, he still went to the, the destination he wanted to go, but he didn't have to leave scorched earth in his rearview mirror either. Right. And, right. and I do. I, I admire that. I know Paul isn't the most popular player and isn't the most popular player around here, but I, I, I admire that. Yes. I agree with everything you said on this. I thought it was well-crafted and uh, the participation on both sides to uh, get because you're right that trust has to be there that you're not going to trade me to some dog team right. somewhere oh that's another yeah. great point that he actually got the destination he wanted terrific yeah. point. yeah 100 yeah and again it gets back to that trust that hey not only can we we can win from this by getting back what what we're looking for and building for the future but i'm not gonna send you off to egypt somewhere Nothing, nothing yeah, we're not going to trade you to Orlando. You know, yeah, you're not. Yeah. It, 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 I I totally agree with you. And now the next uh, maybe free agent acquisition that you're you're uh, luring in with your attractive young team, you can say, hey, look, come in here, give it a go. And if it doesn't work, we'll find a good landing spot for you. I promise. And that's a lot better than having guys just jump and ship. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it seems like that's a good way to go about your business if you can. Because assets like that just don't come uh, along all that often, you know. Right. Not that not it not that Paul George fell into their lap, but they they had to make a move for him. But they took a little risk with only one year left on his deal, you know. They took a chance on Paul, and he probably realized that a little bit, and it didn't work out, and it, it worked out the best for everybody involved. Uh, you know, we get so caught up sometimes in the NBA with like winners and losers and trades and free agency, right. all that stuff. You know, you, you can you can get multiple wins in a situation. I'm sure the Thunder right now, their fans anyway, probably aren't complaining too much. Probably the least amount of complaint losing a superstar in NBA history. <laughs> well, remember when we thought that uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City was going to just Crater. suck? Yeah. yeah, that was not the case. And yeah. Chris Paul got a lot of credit for that. And okay, I get it. He was the, the veteran leader and... And, uh, you know, probably deserves some. But they've got a nice young core that can play. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Worked out nicely. Yeah, it did. So that's one of the uh, – I, I thought that's one of the good news stories in the NBA. Everybody everybody lived up to their word. Yeah. What a what – a, <laughs> what a surprise. Do you think that – I wonder how rare it is. I wonder. Uh, in this case, I bet it benefits it, it, Oklahoma City again. I bet they get well, the benefit of the doubt with the players. It, it was you brought it up, and it was a different situation, uh, a different set of circumstances. But can you imagine if Gordon Hayward had just said to said uh, to Jazz Brass, hey, you know, this is the way I'm leaning, this is the way I'm thinking. What can we arrange? Yeah, move me. It's in your best interest. Yeah. Move me. And you know what? Here, uh, I've got a year left on my deal, so not everybody's going to be interested. Here's a list of teams that that I'm interested in going to. And if you believed all the rumors, he was going to Boston a year before he did. But it, and if he was, if that was his plan, that's that was his desire. Then I don't know what the league rules are as far as finagling some kind of deal. Because if he wanted to be there, obviously the the counter to that was, yeah, but he'd get more money this way. And I don't know if he would or he wouldn't. But uh, depending upon what the response would be 
from the folks in Boston. So good on Paul George, you know. Yeah. That's that is the right way to do player empowerment. Maybe there's not a wrong way to do it, but I I like that way that that everybody can, you know, everybody can have a decent outcome and it doesn't have to be win or loss 100%. Paul yeah, George well, can play where he wants and Oklahoma City can uh, be put in a good spot uh, as a franchise moving forward. Willing to participate P. Willing to participate P. And I still say it I, I said it earlier in this segment, but he did Indiana a huge favor. Yes, indeed. A huge favor by saying, "Listen, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to stay here. I don't want to." So that was twice. Yeah, he did it twice. Worked out it worked out well for two well, three franchises if you count the Clippers. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, we will get to the not sports report coming up next. Uh, Tanner Mangum will be on with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is Monday. That means Caller 12 right now. It's time for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. As announced by DJ and PK this morning, get 850 and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game only here on the Zone Radio Network, brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. All right, Gordon, it is time for the uh, Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordo, where are we going today? We're going to Hollywood, uh, paying tribute to Alex Trebek, the well-known Jeopardy host, uh, the longtime Jeopardy host, Passed away yesterday, and a couple items about that. One, did you see that he uh, he spent his final hours with his wife uh, doing exactly what he said in his book that he wanted to do in his last day? Which was? Sit next to her and watch the horizon. Hmm. How nice. Yeah, uh, I, I, uh, a lot of people really liked Alex Trebek, and uh, I saw another item about him that he bought like 42 acres of land in the 90s down there in L.A., uh, up in the mountain area, and he donated that land for a public park. Wow, that's amazing. That, yeah, I thought that was 42 acres down there, probably worth a whole lot of money. But he donated that. And just to put a little sports spin on this, even though it's not sports report, um, there was that segment on uh, one of the uh, Jeopardy shows that was really, really funny. These people who are contestants on that show are, are very smart, and they know a lot about a lot of things. But apparently on this particular day, the three contestants did not know much about football. This was widely spread about yesterday online, but I've, it's funny enough, I think, for us to play it now. Why don't we give that a listen? Uh, football 200. Your choice. Do or don't name this play in which the quarterback runs the ball and can choose to pitch it to another back. It's an option play. Ryan? <laughs> 
uh, football 400. I can tell you guys are big football fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom Landry perfected the shotgun formation with this team. Dallas Cowboys. Uh, do you think we should go to commercial? <laughs> Ryan? Take it on to 600. Okay, by signaling for one of these, a returner can reel in a kick without fear of getting tackled. Fair catch. Two clues left, Ryan. 800. These penalties are simultaneous violations by the offense and defense that cancel each other out. And they are called offsetting penalties. Let's look at the uh, $1,000 clue just for the fun of it. <laughs> Jimmy? As Minneapolis's U.S. Bank Stadium prepares to host Super Bowl 52, I'm looking at the Ring of Honor with names from this defensive line that took the Vikings to four Super Bowls. If you guys <laughs> ring in and get this one, I will die. <laughs> Who are the purple people eaters? We're going to take a break. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Is there, has there ever been a more iconic uh, show host, uh, a game show host kind of thing than Alex Trebek? Maybe Pat Bob, Sajak. Well, Pat, Pat Sajak. I was going to say maybe was Bob, Barker. Bob Barker. Possibly. Yeah. Bob Barker. Maybe yeah. Bob Barker. Yeah. Um, have I have I told you I, I don't have a really a Jeopardy story, but it is kind of a, a funny connection to a Jeopardy contestant. Have I to, ever told you this story? No, let's hear it. So Naz had a friend who was on Jeopardy. Not even a good friend, just kind of a, a, a friend of a friend. Well, anyway, he uh, they're he not was, listening, are they? I don't I don't think so. I, I have <laughs> never met the guy since this night. All right. So this guy has uh, has a party at a bar named Sue to watch his Jeopardy episode. All right. So it has, I don't know, like 20 people uh, go to this place and, and watch his Jeopardy episode. Well, the dude finishes in the negative. He doesn't. <laughs> the, the one question that he got in to answer, he got wrong and didn't even go on to final Jeopardy. He was he was like they were like, well, sorry, you're in the negative. Uh, you're not uh, you, you can't uh, play final Jeopardy. And then he was just off the show. And it was so awkward because we're just like, wow. <laughs> Good job, good. I think, good job. I think you. I think you have told me that story before. But, but if you, if you, funny. if honestly, Gordon, if that were you, and you went on Jeopardy, he told us how hard it was to ring in with the button, how hard it uh, was to to time that out or whatever. But uh, you know, if you went on Jeopardy and you didn't do so well like that, like you finished in the red, would you invite everyone you knew to watch the show? Uh, probably not. Uh, no, that would not be the highlight. No, I, I would, I would tell my friends and family to, to watch it, but I didn't do very well. So don't expect much. I wouldn't be like, Hey everybody. And then before we watched the episode too, he was like, I'm sworn to secrecy. I can't tell anybody how I did. It's like, wow. We're just all sitting there, like, at least in my mind, I'm thinking, this has got to turn around for this dude at some point. Right. I mean, he, he, he invited us all here. I'm sure he didn't, you know. Want to call attention to the fact that I'm seeing he why embarrassed Naz, himself. I'm seeing much. why Naz might not call him a friend. <laughs> it was Naz was in this group or whatever when she was when she was younger, and this guy was what, in the same group. One other thing about Alex Trebek, I mean, I I understand that there were a lot of people that knew his age because he had made it public about his battle with cancer. But was he not a? a he he looked great for eighty. Yeah. 
Well, he had, uh, you know, as you know, pancreatic cancer is what he had, I'm pretty sure. Yes. You uh-huh. know, that's a, it's a very um, mm. deadly form of cancer, and he had beaten yeah. it back for a while. I mean, he's been fighting yes. it for, what, like a year and a half, and yeah. he looked great. I, I'm with you. And, in fact, uh, he still has some episodes that he recorded that are going to air, I believe the final one being on Christmas, I think I heard on a report oh, really? earlier today. So, it's, But, yeah, I'm with you. Said- he looked really good. It's interesting how somebody like that can connect with so many people being on on TV day after day after day. And people get very connected. And he was such a classy guy and seemed so smart. Uh, well, he knew the answers, right? I mean, <laughs> but yeah, but- he, seems, he seems so smart in the way he went about his business. Totally, uh, for, for you know, a game show host, he was very, what's the word? Dignified? I don't know. Well, you know I I think he you know that show has has run so long I think it's thirty five years something like that I mean everybody's got a connection to that show somehow right I mean I I remember when I was a kid sitting down watching that show with my dad and he knew all the answers you know and I'd just be like <laughs> wow dad you really know a lot you were smart <laughs> did I still he know all the answers yeah he did so, some of those questions are pretty tough uh, my dad is the trivia master. You don't do not. I'll, I'll tell you this right now. Do not play. Well, let me put it this way. Have you have you played Trivial Pursuit, the genius edition lately? Not like one of those fancy modern, you know, like pop Trivial Pursuit of the 2000s, but like the old school genius edition. Where, I've never where seen I don't that even one, no. understand three quarters of the questions in the genius <laughs> edition. And my dad, asking, my they're, dad they're refuses asking. to play, but will sit over there to the side and just rattle off every answer. <laughs> Well, there's a lot less pressure when you're not actually playing. He's sitting over but, there uh, watching football and being like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> "Questions about ancient, about uh, whatever uh, civilization." <laughs> Some of the science questions. I'm like, I don't. Is that is that even English? What is that? What is that question even asking? And then he's yeah. over there and just rattles off the answer. I don't know. Smart guy. European I guess. history from uh, from uh, you know uh, the Middle Ages. Yeah, anyway, well, that's, uh, you know. Our friend Alan on Twitter. Alex Trebek. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I hope he rests in peace, that's for sure. Our friend Alan on Twitter says, Trebek, Bob Barker, Monty Hall, and Richard Dawson is his Mount Rushmore (laughs) of uh, game show hosts. That's that's pretty pretty good. Uh, They didn't have Gene Rayburn in there, did he? No. What did Gene Rayburn host? Wasn't he the match game? Well, I'm not sure that's why I asked the question. (laughs) <laughs> who else is there? When I, I ask mean, you a question, you can't ask me a question back. <laughs> no, he was on the match game. I'm almost certain of it. Who was the guy who did uh, did the love connection? Chuck Woolery? Chuck he? Woolery, yeah. yeah. Is he running who was the Who was there? the dude who made the Family Feud famous? He was. Uh, wasn't that, wasn't that uh, Richard Dawson? Was that really? Okay, that, I think you're right. That is. Oh, he, uh, in fact, Alan has it on here. Richard Dawson Family Feud. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anybody else that fits that category. Wow, that's a that's a Pat Sajak has to Richard be Richard Dawson. He still to get really really friendly with the the newlyweds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got really friendly with. The... Wait, let's not forget Mark Summers. Well, there you go. Remember Mark awesome. Summers? Uh-uh. Lloyd. Lloyd is my generation remembers Mark Summers because he was the host of Double Dare on Nickelodeon. Which I don't know, Gordon, if you're familiar with that show. But Double Dare was one of the greatest things ever. So one thing that's funny about that, though, is Double Dare was a lot about messy. Like they had this obstacle course that you had to go through with slime, <laughs> slime. and all this messy stuff. <laughs> so apparently he was uh, extremely obsessive compulsive. 
Like he uh. was a real neat and order type of guy. Hosting that show of all things is kind of a, a bizarre. Going up the nostrils to grab a flag probably wasn't a right fun for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gordon, you should look into Double Dare. Yeah, I've I, I've not seen that. What about like Peter Marshall on uh, Hollywood Squares? <laughs> who uh, who was the host of the? They did a reboot of Hollywood Squares for a hot second. Yeah. Wow, this yeah. we're really over for this dumb conversation. But anyway. Uh, Alex Trebek, yeah, I, I was really saddened by that news this, yeah, this weekend. Yeah. That's it's a part of it's a part of people's lives. I hope yeah. Ken Jennings uh, is the next one. I'm rooting for uh, the next host. To is he still over. in Utah? I don't think so. I think he from... moved because I follow him on Twitter, and I think he said he moved. But he's always in Utah. We'll always claim him, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned. Tanner Mangum coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 of the Zone.